Hello and welcome to episode number five of Considering Canon. I am Ian Cantello. And I'm Andy Gavel. And today we are looking at two movies from the BBC's top 100 movies of the 21st century. Uh, the first one we'll be, ta- we'll be looking at today is The Secret in Their Eyes uh, by Juan Jose Campanella, and uh, that was made in uh, 2009. Uh, the second movie that we're going to talk about today is The Pianist, f- uh, directed by uh, Roman Polanski um, from the year 2002. Both uh, literary adaptations, both very serious, and uh, I have seen The Pianist prior to this and actually i think the first five minutes of the secret in their eyes and then i switched to something else <laughs> um just uh, in the mood for it that night <laughs> <laughs> uh and i have also seen the pianist and uh back in the early 2000s and then this was my first time watching the secret in their eyes yeah so uh i guess uh we'll jump right into it we'll uh, jump right in yeah, Andy, why don't you give us an introduction to the secret? Okay, so at number 91 on our list, uh, we're getting to the bottom of the 90s here. Uh, the Secret in Their Eyes, uh, directed by Juan Jose Campanella, um, is about a retired legal counselor, uh, last name Esposito, um, who is kind of reflecting on his work and his life, and he decides to write a book about one of the cases he worked on. Um, back in the 70s and so the film jumps back and forth kind of between present day and him working on this case in the 70s Um, about the case was about uh, rape and murder of a young woman and tracking down the killer and it's kind of a uh, a typical detective legal drama if you will that Um, sounds fair (laughs) yeah yeah so um and so I guess I'll just jump right into this one. Uh, I'll start with the good because there's less of that. <laughs> I was I was not the biggest fan of this film, but what I did like, I thought they did a fantastic job with the makeup on these on the actors. Um, they're jumping between it's 25 year gap between um, the 70s and uh, I guess mid 90s or, or whatever that would be. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah they they managed to age the characters in kind of a very subtle way they're not using different actors for these different time periods they've decided to go with the same actors um which kind of is a bold decision with that big of an age gap but i thought they did a fantastic job kind of uh using the makeup and and aging them um and it feels it just feels like a really good detective novel um it's 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 a compelling story um, it kind of keeps you engaged throughout the whole thing. Um, and so that element is really good. And then the last thing I really liked was there's an awesome shot at a soccer match where the long take, the long, the take. long take, I'm, I'm a yeah. sucker for a long take. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, the detective and his assistant chasing down, uh, the bad guy at a soccer match and it kind of runs through under the grandstands and in the back, back lanes where they eventually catch him. Um, and it's very well done. Um, very much kind of like a, uh, who's who does Children of Men? Is that Curon? Yeah, Alfonso Cur- Curon. Yeah, I think Curon. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so very much like his his use of long takes, just kind of very choreographed, works really well. And it's extremely impressive because they've had they got like thirty thousand people in this soccer stadium as this long take is going on, all going crazy for the match. But I'll start with the the small bad things I didn't like. I felt I thought the film um, lacked uh, of subtlety, not so much in the performances, but in some of the elements of the plot. Um, and just in, in, in the production value. Uh, in particular, there was one shot uh, where there's some romantic tension between Esposito, our main character, and his supervisor. Um, and they're sitting at, at her desk, and she kind of gets the impression that he's trying to uh, bring up the topic of the romantic tension between them. And... Uh, there's this framing of this rose on the desk, which is like right over his lapel. And it just kind of really makes it look, it's forced. It's just kind of this forced, I don't know. I just found it very frustrating. (laughs) I will say on this, this is one of my biggest problems with this movie. I totally agree with this. I'll say in particular at the end of the movie, uh, there's this recurring theme of prison bars in front of people. And it's a very hand-fisted use of imagery in yeah. a way that it, it just seems um, over the top in a way that's unnecessary. Yeah, and, so, and, and yeah. I can understand how, like, when, when you're conceptualizing a movie and you're like, oh, we'll, we'll secretly put bars in these shots and we'll put a flower on his lapel and it'll be subtle and, and, and it'll work well. And, and No, it's just it's ham-fisted, absolutely. <laughs> it's over the top. Um, yeah, for sure. And then... Uh, my main point, my main issue with this film, which I've we've got to tear it apart. This is this is a hundred best films of the twenty first century, um, and so they're all going to be good. So we have to be particularly discerning about what goes on this list, um, and I think the problem this runs into almost is its relationship with television in the 21st century at least for me um how does this film represent filmmaking in relation to television because i feel like the bbc or true detective um there are so many tv shows that do what this movie did every episode for an entire season um it it just doesn't i don't know it it doesn't represent the best of filmmaking in the 21st century for me in that regard. Um, but it's a great film, but it's just, it's been done and it, it's, it, it, it can be done so well because people know how to do this. The director of this is actually, he used to direct episodes of law and order. Um, ah, so that kind of, go. uh, it makes sense that this is the type of film he would do, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ian, what do you have to say on the matter? <laughs> All right. Um, it, this is the first time that I think that we've had a really strong split over uh, over over um, what we thought about a film. I really, really, really like this movie. I think that this uh, film, for me, was great uh, on a number of levels. One, I thought that the cinematography in this movie does not pop in the way that it does in something like The Assassination of Jesse James or uh, Moonrise Kingdom. 
but there's still some really wonderful shots in it um and and a lot of them are just by playing with foreground it's simple it's simply just like placement of actors in the foreground versus the background there's a great great uh one, one of my favorite shots in this movie is where the husband of um the victim of the murder uh rape uh is told that uh his wife is dead and it's just a very simple shot of him in the for of uh him sort of in the middle ground a a uh, a tea kettle in the foreground and then uh our uh sort of hero or main character uh benjamin uh, esposito in the background and you don't esposito says nothing in this entire uh in this I, I don't think he says very much if he says anything in this entire shot but you just sort of see his reactions to the other person uh telling the husband about it and i think that where in some cases the imagery in this movie is very um is ham-fisted and over the top at other times it's extremely subtle and well done and there's some very consistent themes that run through this whole movie in a way that uh, I don't think that we've seen that strongly in a lot of the other films that we've seen so far. I, there's this sort of like theme of missed uh, missed chances. The lo this mo a lot of this movie for me was about uh, people missing an opportunity, whether it was in romantic interest or in the pursuit of a suspect or, uh, you know, all these other things sort of um, con uh, conspiring to... to uh, it, uh, to to sort of um, ruin or or um, or complicate the lives of its characters, uh, there's this. The, I mean, it's in the title, "The Secret in Their Eyes," right? There's also the this this the gaze in this movie of every character is so important. You have the women in this character in this movie are just generally. Um, uh, they're, I'm not going to say abused, but just poorly. They're poorly treated by all of the men in this show. You have like the the Benjamin and Irene, the two sort of um, aborted uh, love affair that could have happened for the, over 25 years, and it's sort of it's very obvious to the watcher that Irene is very interested in this, and that Benjamin is as well. But through his own cowardice and his inability to sort of step forward, he just doesn't. He, he just doesn't do it. And this like blinding of him, of uh, Esposito's own character to everything that's going around him as he's following this case through is really interesting. And um, another thing is this idea that uh, you really can't let go of the past, you know? Uh, and I, th and I thought that, I thought that, and you have this with, with both this love affair and with um, the the husband of the murdered woman who, um, this is a spoiler alert for the movie if you haven't seen it yet, who uh, who ultimately has imprisoned the killer over 25 years to get his own form of justice. And I think that, I think that these all make for a very strong uh, movie. And more than anything, what I really appreciated about it is that it did not stoop to... Um, sort of a gotcha twist at the end of the movie. Um, and I was really concerned about this watching this, that they're going to be, oh, wait a minute. As it turned out, the husband actually did kill the the uh, the wife. And then he was the bad guy all along, which is like, which is something that I was really thinking they were going to do at the end of this movie. And, and, and to me, it was much more surprising and nuanced and interesting the way that it turned out. Now, um, I do see the point, though, that there's definitely better things going on in uh, police procedurals and crime drama, especially in um, in the uh, in uh, television these days. But I would also I'd also say that there's something to be said for a relatively tight two hour storyline over, you know, a a 
tight eight hour storyline. It's remarkable to me that you can put something together as well as uh, Juan Jose uh, Campanella did for this movie. And I think that um, to me, yeah, uh, to me, I, I, I really did enjoy this. It was uh, it was I was very surprised coming out of it that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Well, and, and, and on your, your comment regarding the, the how tight the film is, I that's a huge strength of the film because it, it doesn't feel rushed at all. Like there's a lot going on. You've got these two time periods. There's it's a it's a big movie, but two hours, it doesn't feel rushed. And then you compare that to Jesse James last week, which was three hours uh, and it just dragged on forever. Um yeah, some very tight filmmaking regards to editing. I think editing is, is oh, a yeah. great strength of this film. Um, your comment regarding the eyes uh, and, and the gaze in, in, in this film. I don't know. I, f- I felt that was almost ham-fisted like the other symbolism in the film. It was just like, it's right in the title of the film. So you're going into the film with kind of like, oh, there's the secret is in their eyes. And then all these shots of just like, very obvious following people's gazes what are they looking at and and holding it works but it's just it's a little heavy-handed for 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 my liking yeah i and i think i think that's totally a fair uh, a fair perspective to take on it too mm-hmm. it's interesting do, I, do you think any there's anything else we want to say on that or should, should we jump over to the pianist yeah no i think we can move on all right okay so uh the pianist uh directed in uh 2002 or released in 2002 by Roman Polanski, very uh, controversial filmmaker uh, in some ways, uh, is a movie about, let me see if I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, Vladislaw Spielman? Spielman. Vladislaw Spielman. Spielman. Okay. Almost. It was close. <laughs> um, this is also, this is an, uh, based on a uh, book, the autobiography of... Um, of the real Vladislaw uh, Spielman. And so he is a, um, so he's basically a Jew who uh, was living in Warsaw, working as a pianist. And uh, as uh, the German army invades uh, Poland at the beginning of World War II, it's about his extended uh, experiences attempting to um, survive the, uh, the Warsaw ghetto and uh, his, um, and sort of the 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 incredible, not only um, will to survive that required to do that, but also the help that he received from other non-Jews, and uh, in many cases just plain blind luck that allowed him to uh, to survive to the end of the war and uh, avoid uh, dying in the Holocaust. So I'll uh, I'll jump in first and say that uh, these this is obviously a very personal subject for Roman Polanski. Um, and it's got to be one of the better Holocaust uh, movies that I've seen. There's a couple things that strike me about this movie. First of all, the filmmaking itself is very reminiscent of a film that you would see from like the 1970s or 1980s. The way that, um, the way that it shot uh, to me um sort of brings me back to sort of an older time and i'm not sure if that was an intentional choice by polanski or if it's just you know what he his style given um uh when he uh did a lot of his major works um and but i think that this movie is more than anything it's just like a very uh 
straight up and simple telling mm-hmm. of a very hard to um uh not i, I don't say hard to understand because the holocaust i think is is very simple in in it's very you can you can basically yeah. boil it down to one or two sentences um to get at the heart of it but the idea of living the the complexity of living through that and the nuance of yeah. being a person who is seeing their life change their life the lives of himself and his family change in such a drastic and terrible way and sort of the the self-rationalization of trying to um of trying to trying to figure out what the hell is going on and maintain mm-hmm. a sense of normalcy in exceptional times is uh is amazing and uh i think that i think there's some there's some techniques that polanski uses in this movie that are just wonderful like uh there's a cut there's a number of sequences where uh our main character uh vladislaw um played excellent but excellently by adrian brody in this by the way um Mm -hmm. just an incredible uh tour de force this was his breakout performance too I, i believe he um like he had a small role in a thin red line or something before this but this is what really kind of launched him into the onto the a list anyways yeah, yeah, I think I remember this also as being sort of the start of his uh, his career as a Hollywood A-lister. Um, and but his um, reused uh, device of people watching out of their windows um, as terrible things happen, uh, sort of the you know as an observer on the world and sort of how close you can be to this uh, horrendous these horrendous events happening and not uh, being sort of powerless to intervene. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, I think mm-hmm. it's a I think it's an incredibly powerful movie in a lot of ways and i think that is probably where its power and strength comes from is this it's because it's a true story it doesn't really have this artificially forced not sentimentality but kind of drama to it and it's just the the actions the characters take are just so relatable and and understandable like if you were in that situation and you were looking at your window and you heard gunshots and people getting gunned down what would you do in that situation probably exactly what the characters in this movie do it's just and i think that's where the power of this film comes from is it really kind of puts the audience in this unbelievable situation particularly modern audiences that don't have much uh experience with this sort of this unbelievable event that happened, right? Like it's just, it forces you to confront um, the possibility of these this kind of horror, really. Um, and on top of that, you take away the historical context of this film. And it's just a very compelling story about somebody who has it all. He's a very successful pianist. Um, he's, he's, he's upper upper class guy has it all loses it all and just the determination to carry on through the shit to just survive and luckily he gets it back but just that story of having it all and losing it all is just a relatable story even outside of the historical context of the film add on top of that historical context and it just becomes an amazing film yeah no um absolutely and it and it's uh it's also, I think that there's a, I, I mean, he, Polanski does a really good job of just putting forward the arbitrary, the arbitrary nature of mm-hmm. the Holocaust in a lot of ways. And I mean that in that the victims, um, 
the the reality of survival or death was very uh was was essentially non independent from someone's actual um you know wealth or uh social position it just didn't really matter it was just you know um there's there's a number of shots in the film where it's just of people in lineups getting pulled out and shot in the head i think that happens three or two or three times in the film and yeah it just kind of reinforces the the luck of the character in this film yeah 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 no absolutely and you can see i mean in even small even smaller points too i mean uh one of the first scenes where the family is watching uh an ss raid across the street from them the question that you always at you must be asking yourself as the viewer is what if they just pulled up to the building that they were it's just across the street right you know it could have been either two of the buildings it's clearly not like a targeted search um and then you know you have every uh male is is uh gunned down immediately afterwards so you know and i'm gonna i'll i'll put a something else for that i think is really valuable in this uh in this movie um that does not happen very often in uh in movies about the holocaust is that uh, Polanski treated the uh, there's an, towards the end of the movie there's a, there's a German um, SS officer who helps uh, uh, Vladislaw uh, sort you know gives him food and keeps him alive for the last little stretch before the the Russians uh, capture him and uh, I think that a, a major problem that a lot of movies dealing with World War II have is that there's a tendency to um, depict any german in them as essentially uh, an inhuman force of evil mm-hmm. and that is not to defend the nazis or uh anything that they do uh, they did during world war ii um it is but it is to say that uh nazism was a horrible evil uh, but you have to remember that the people that were uh that not everybody who um participated on the german side of world war ii was a nazi and that they were also people as well. And I think that, I think that it's important to acknowledge that, you know, uh, every German soldier in world war two was not a faceless monster, that they were also people. And the, the banality of evil in sometimes is just that, that they are regular people going along with. And I I think as a, as a storyteller, that's the harder story to tell is both sides. It's it's yeah. a hell of a lot easier to just have this faceless evil that your good guys need to defeat. It's a lot harder to balance to try and find a balance between the good and the evil in everyone and both sides on on in these stories. So yeah, no, I think he did a fantastic job with that. Yeah, yeah, um, I definitely do. And it's uh, shall we talk about Roman Polanski? Yeah, I think it. I think it's the elephant in the room. It is a little bit. It's it's was, it's, it's interesting yeah. that he. This is a very personal story for him because he actually escaped the Warsaw Ghetto as a child. Yeah. Um. And so I think you can tell he is approaching this with, uh, experience. I guess is the only yeah. way to say it. His mother was killed in the Holocaust, and his father was not. They reunited later, so mm-hmm. he's not an orphan after this. Um, did you have it? Sorry, did you have any more you wanted to say on that? Uh, how do you separate the artist from the art? Because <laughs> he's such a talented filmmaker, you have you can't deny. Like you look at Chinatown, you look at this film. He is so talented, but like just this week, 
he's still like being extradited, trying to be extradited from Poland or whatever. And it's I don't know. It's messy. <laughs> We're, no one is going to debate that Polanski is a is a is an untalented filmmaker. His movies are great, but arguably, this movie should not exist if justice was served according to the American legal system. Um, And that is a weird thing. That is a very strange thing to say, man, what a great movie this guy made. It's really important. I think it does such a balanced and good job of telling, uh, telling the story of the Holocaust. And for all the public good that that does still, it probably shouldn't exist just because why, why does Polanski get a, get a pass because he's a great director. Yeah. Uh, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really it's, hard question. It's a very hard question. But uh, yeah, it's a t- it's he's a tough guy. It's it's a, I think it's important to address this every time you're talking with a Polanski film because these are really it's really hard to look at that. Ex- it, the exceptionalism like this is not something that um should be disregarded. You know, yeah. it's it. I think that yeah. in a lot of cases, it's impossible to separate the director from the movie. And he won best director for this if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah i mean which he would not have collected in person no and this also won best adapted screenplay as well so yeah which was very good which was uh which was quite good and i'm i'm you know like um yeah it's just uh just a totally a good movie controversial as anything by roman polanski will be i'll say that mm-hmm. the most impactful shot for me was just uh adrian brody's uh sorry vladislaw's character just walking down uh the emptied streets of the ghetto after that's avoiding. i was i yeah. was gonna say the the production design this the the sets they built for this movie are amazing it really just builds the world of the ghetto you feel like they actually somehow built a time machine and went back to warsaw in 1942 or something because um they're spectacular and when they're all bombed out at the end it's they've actually got i I think it was an old army barracks that was going to get torn down anyways so they just kind of ripped down the facade so it looked like an avenue of warsaw that has just been absolutely bombed to hell and it's so powerful the imagery that him wandering down the street with a jar of pickles yeah 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 so do you do you want to move on to to the canon portion of this. The canon portion, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? What's your opinion on that? Well, for, for the penis, I think it absolutely belongs on this list. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think it's probably uh, in an appropriate place, maybe a little bit higher. Um, when you but, say higher, uh, do you mean closer to one or closer to a hundred? Yeah, I guess we need to figure that out. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, closer to. I've been because I've been saying lower. As yeah, it should better. be lower on the list. <laughs> is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it should this one should be lower on the list? Uh, c- could be lower on the list, I think. But to me, it's it would be still probably in the in the uh, in the uh, higher quarter of the list. So sort of the 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 twenty five between a hundred and seventy five, if I if yeah. if it was me. I uh, I absolutely think this film belongs on this list, and I would probably put it closer to 50, I'm thinking. I, I think this is definitely one of the best films that has been made in the last 16 years. And yeah, um, 90 seems a little high, high for it to be placed. Um, again, we'll reassess this as we go, but absolutely has a place here. 
yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that, uh, I don't think anybody's going to uh, disagree on that. Um, what, so what do you think about the secret in their eyes? Uh, I don't know if, do, do we have any other kind of procedural detective, uh, films on the list? Because I could see it having a place representing that, but I don't know, I, I think in the 21st century, television is telling these stories better than film is. Um, and so this might not have a place on the list for me because of that. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm looking through the list right now. I'm not really seeing much, uh, much of this kind of um, police procedural uh, or like, or um, legal procedural uh, work. Um, in fact, I, I can't see anyone that immediately jumps out to me. Uh, Zodiac uh, is kind okay. of, I yep. mean, it's more, more journalist uh, investigation, but same sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's nothing like a, like an LA confidential, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, uh, or any of an, any of any, like there was, I think there were a number of these really in the nineties that were, that were pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good. But the two uh, thousands, I mean, there's something to be said that maybe that narrative just works better in a longer format. You can tell a more complex story. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to rush through things. You get more time to characterize people, but um, I don't know. I, for me, I think it's, I think it's basically, it could be, I, this could actually be, uh, higher on the list, but I think it probably should be on the list. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it, um, but I I totally see your points on the faults on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was blinded by other things. <laughs> it's it's it is such a good story, and I think if if it is on the list at the end of the day in my books, it'll be because it tells such a good tight story in two hours. Um, and it's a story that we don't see very much else on the list. This kind of story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A little bit. A cool. uh, little bit of. Uh, you know, very strong agreement on one movie this week, and uh, <laughs> very different opinions on the other one. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add? Uh, I think that's it for me this week. All right. Well, I think that'll do us for uh, episode five. So uh, join us next week when we do our 89th film, uh, The Headless Woman by Lucretia Martel from 2008, and one from very recently, uh, Spotlight by Tom McCarthy from 2015. Mm-hmm. So uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, this has been Considering Canon. I'm Ian Cantello. I'm Andy Gavel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>